I think we're just going to dive right into it. Probably maybe three episodes back about the Spring Awakening documentary that was going to be on HBO Max. And we all saw it. Is that correct? Joe, you saw it? I did see it. All Sean, right. just sit back for this one. Sean, you can, uh, we know that you didn't. I've seen the, you know, like when you turn on HBO Max and it's one of the things available to see. I've You've seen, seen that. Still. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, okay. a, I'm aware of its existence, Wait, which I think right. puts me over most of the population. Wait, Sean, can you give us your input on that now? Yeah. Tell us what you thought. Uh, I thought it was well framed. It was a very clear shot. Um, I'm not sure what filter they used or aperture. He's getting way deeper than I thought he would. Wow. Love it. Aperture. Don't, you want questions? Aperture. I'll give you an answer. We didn't expect that type of vocabulary from a man in a Hawaiian shirt, but kudos to you, sir. I'm a deep well. A doff of the cap. Um, Spring Awakening, though. I don't know where to begin, but... Why don't we start at the beginning? Star Wars, this bitch. Go start with, like, a No, I thought that it was incredible. And I had so many different emotions when I was was watching it. And the first thing that... Really, I was so pissed off that when it came out, we were of the age to play those roles, but we couldn't play those roles because we weren't going to be on Broadway, and that was the only opportunity that anyone would have. So just that one little thing that you you weren't on Broadway, that's all that kept you off the show. What do you mean? (laughs) I was, I was trying to unwrap that reasoning. You you couldn't be in the show because it was on Broadway and you weren't? No, because the rights to it aren't available if it's on Broadway. So you oh, can't oh, be in the show. Oh, I, I, and then when I they were. The so what? Too. And so, then the, well, and then, so the, the last, two of you were The last time it came through town, you guys were <laughs> we too old? Is that what happened? Well, yeah. The, when, the, when they were. If you are going to cast that show appropriately, by the time that it was available to community theaters. I mean, I was probably 30. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's in that spot where you can't be one of the, one of the characters and at all, you can't be one of the kids and you're not old enough to be an adult. In the, in the context of like professional stuff, I agree. Um, and in, in what you should and shouldn't do, I agree. Sure. But I, I've just seen too many community theater productions where like a 37 year old balding man is playing a, 18 year old. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. we, exactly. Just, just end the sentence with is in rent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but back on the topic of this, back on the topic of what is it? Those you've known, I think that's what they called that's it. That's what they called it, yeah. yeah. Um, oh my goodness. I mean, I know. just it brought back so many memories. I was in high school when it came out on Broadway mm-hmm. in 2007, right? 2007, I think that was. The I, year. Think, I think. And it really started picking for like up six years or something. Yeah. Um, 
But I remember I saw it on Broadway. I saw the tour. I was so amped up for this thing. I thought it spoke directly to me. I remember, like, an emotional, physical, like, reaction to this thing. Like, this musical is for my soul. And it all came back to me watching this. And I, I can't believe, I think I lost that, I don't know if COVID did this, but I lost that connection with Spring Awakening for a moment, I think. I, I wa- went into this really reluctantly. I was like, oh, I'm not going to watch this thing. I'm going to watch this stupid special. What is it going to show me that I, yeah. And instantly threw it out the window. Like, instantly thrown out the window. I was just, I, I loved every second of it. I really did. I thought there was too much Lee and Michelle. Well, I have, I was, <laughs> I have something to say about that. So, like, go ahead. Can I, can I? Yeah, let's, so, am, let's Amber heard this thing. Let, okay, oh. here's the thing. Leah Michelle, there's no doubt that she is so talented. That's the girl from Glee. Yes. Yes. Like, reportedly, nobody in the cast liked her and stuff like that. Well, yeah, that's where we're getting. Yeah. 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 She's a diva, and she leans into it. And she does lean into it. Just kind of like you're a dick, and you lean into it. Yeah. The the perception, not the actual thing. Sure. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in a, you know. If you can lean on that, then you're trying It's the to weekend. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to keep it loose and see what happens. Continue. Okay. Thank you. So, I mean, there's no doubt that she is super talented. She's absolutely stunningly beautiful. And she killed it as Vendla. Having said that. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Having said that, she's in that same grouping as like Ellen DeGeneres in that keep digging people think that they, that she's great but she's sure. actually a terrible terrible person okay. because everyone thought that Ellen DeGeneres was Ellen DeGeneres was great and then all the stories came out about how terrible she was to her sure. crew and everything like that and the thing that's you know there seemed to be what was it? It was during the George Floyd thing, I think, that she started tweeting out like stuff about BLM and everything. And then people that were on Glee were like, uh, excuse me, you're a bitch. And like people of color were saying this. And it's like now, because this is in the news, like you're going to talk about this and not act like you oh, tried to get dang. me fired mm-hmm. from oh, the show. Geez. Like that's how deep it went with people. Like this happened on Twitter. Ooh. So. You can almost, right away, when I was looking at the opening credits, I saw that Jonathan Groff, who seems like he's the nicest person in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Him mm-hmm. and Steven Sater seem oh like, I, like they're like just the sweetest men. Yeah. So, but he was, so Jonathan Groff was an executive producer. And of you, the doc? Of or? the documentary. And you could tell that he tried so hard at times to try to get, the public perception of Leah Michelle, like, oh, like, like a rehabilitation, uh, like, yeah, like, tr- like that's how I thought of it at times because she did get a lot of camera time and there was a lot of talking, like a lot it, of like. To me, it wasn't even the camera time as much as it was when she was on camera. She was talking like she wrote the music, wrote the eighteen hundreds play, yeah, did it all, and guiding the whole cast through this thing. It's just like it was exhausting. It was, and then you know. Right at the beginning, you see Jonathan Groff put on his biker's helmet and ride his bike to the theater. Bicyclist helmet, yeah. not uh, biker's helmet. Oh, whatever. 
He's and then a which he's riding. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's riding a bicycle. So because he needed to be seen riding a bicycle to the theater. I'm like maybe. that was that was an intentional move. Okay, I mean, that's, maybe that's but a choice. Leah Michelle made her choice of being paraded in the back seat of an Escalade with like you know. I'm the not Queen's lie. treatment. Now again, I'm I'm coming in from the outside on this, which but is just great. That's why in, you're here. In knowing celebrity culture, if I'm at a level of celebrity that she is, get me in the Escalade. Listen, sure. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that, but it just because I probably would too. Give me the lap of luxury. I've right. earned it. You know, I want it. But it just like that was a choice that you made to be in the final documentary when yeah. you know that people already sure. have. And then it when she was talking about like the cast camping. Trip, was she an executive producer? No, she wasn't. So maybe Jonathan Groff is saying like, "Look at this bitch getting in the Escalade." But I ride no, my bike no, to work. because because it is very. It was very very clear how much the two of them really loved each other. Absolutely sure. Because. That's the only way that you are going to get a show like that to work is it because it does – there are some scenes where it could – the sex scene and leading up to it and everything like that, that could be – it's very, very dicey, and it could almost seem like rape if it's not some done people, well. Yeah, I mean some people interpret it that way anyway yeah. as it is. So And direct it that way. Sure. Yeah. And – but if you have that clear-cut love that you can see in chemistry between the characters, then it's going to – it's not, in that moment it might, but in the long run when you watch the entirety of the show, then it will be very clear that it's not. It's just two teenagers that are misguided and trying to – discover their bodies and sex and everything yeah well you know what i'll say about this when we when i watched it with shannon Mm -hmm. i didn't know about all the prior misdealings with leah michelle i had this thing in my brain that they were both jerks both her and jonathan groff i thought that's what like i had no i didn't know about glee i didn't know about any of this stuff somewhere deep down i just maybe heard it in passing or something along the lines of that so when I was watching it, within the first like, 20, 30 minutes, I was like, oh, my God, I actually like these people a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't picking up on the, the Leah Michelle like, mm-hmm. being an awful person thing until it was explained to me. And then that impacted how I watched it. So Because like, we took a break halfway through to let the dogs out and do some yard work. Um, and it was when I came back that my perception had changed after we talked about Glee and after we talked about that stuff. So... I will say watching it from the perspective of not knowing about them was a different experience than when Shannon had told me about the whole happenings on Glee. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that definitely impacted it for sure. Mm-hmm. But one thing I do want to bring up, and I'm going to jump toward, right to the end of the show, is remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but someone had brought up what, what the fuck is a purple summer? Like, what is a purple summer? That's what they were talking about. And they yeah. talked about it, too. And I'm so glad that nobody really has an idea of what it is. Steven Sater said, you know, it's carrying the bruise of, you know, what had happened into the summer. It's rebirth, but it's also carrying the bruise. But I was like, 
okay. <laughs> like, we None of us have any idea. It just sounds good. No idea. It sounds really good. You mm-hmm. know what? I don't even care what it means because that song oh. is fucking incredible. Like, that song is so good. Yeah. The music is very well written. Ugh, the whole thing. It's the, amazing. The song could be Song of Dinkle Doo-Doo. And yeah, it, 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 it would still be great. Yeah, it, no, you're absolutely right. It's so good. Well, I, it's been explained to me that's a perception thing, though. Like, I think you and I specifically lean towards music almost before lyrics. Sure, definitely. Where, like, our friend definitely. Cam hates that song because it means nothing. Fair. So, like, if Fair. you're oh, a lyrics okay. person, you don't like the song. Mm-hmm. But I always, I, it takes me four times listening through a song before I even hear the lyrics. That's funny. That's the Agreed. same for me as well. I'm listening to harmonies, chord Agreed. progression, mm. everything. Yep. Yeah, always, it, it's it's going to be a weird thing to tie into this conversation, but I've had that same argument with people regarding Metallica, where there'll be people just, they don't, they don't like metal or they don't like the sound of Metallica. But I, like when I was younger, when I first got into them, it was when you would get the, you know, the cassette, God forbid, or CD, and it came with, in the jacket were all the lyrics. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, every time I, I always would read the lyrics along with whatever albums I would get. And I always really liked the writing of their lyrics. Um, Cause and a lot of it went in, you know, a little bit like Zeppelin would do it, get into like high fantasy and stuff like that. And like some of them were into like Cthulhu mythology and there was just stuff I wasn't hearing from other bands. And I would like say, Oh man, I'll play it for friends. Like, listen, I love this song. Listen to it. And they'd be like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of other songs they do. I'm like, no, no, but listen to the words. And they're like, oh, why are you listening to the words? It's just a song on the radio. <laughs> so you're you're a lyrics guy. I'm a, the song's gonna mean something. Otherwise, you're it's just it's a filler song in the album. It's That's like fair. The, mm-hmm. the studio said you need twelve songs. You've got ten. You write a couple dinkle doodos. Yeah, and then and off to the races. You can, that's no, that's I mean, an industry term hey, now. We're, we're yeah, saying that. Right. No, no, it's a good point because there's a lot of songs that I've listened to. I mean, I'm thinking of like Red Barchetta by Rush, and listen to it, saying it, saying the words, and then someone told me the like what what it's about, and I'm like, what? That's what it's about? And they're like, dude, it's like very clearly that's what it's about. So I do get that. I, yeah. I do totally. I I just it. I don't go lyrics. It goes over my head. Mm-hmm. And and I'm kind of with Cam on that because if it, the so, so I'm not a huge fan of Spring Awakening. I I've seen it and I I really like how the story's so relatable. I mean, even though it's in the time period, it is in Germany. Sure. Correct. Mm-hmm. You got it, it. Kids in middle school can listen to this song today and be like, "Holy shit!" Like that's what that's what I'm feeling. That's what yep. it's happening to me. And to have something resonate like that and then to just have the composer throw in some masturbatory song about nothing because they like the way it sounds it can take you out of the experience sure i think i do think the i do think the the lyricist has meaning for it i do think he does well good for him you know i think he he <laughs> yeah he knows what it means you never want to play for an audience of one though right 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 and i so i do get that i i do get what you're saying um Another transition here. Did you guys notice? Uh, I don't even want to bring it up. You got to bring it up. The beating. I mean, he beat her. Oh. Well, yeah, because like, that's oh, what yeah. happens in the story. Yeah. Like, isn't it? Punches and throws. Yeah. 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 Um, direct, when I was directing it, we had this you know, discussion of like the beating scene. We have to cross the line. Like, we have to, because at first it's really playful, and he's, like, whipping her, and, like, it's kind of makes the audience awkward giggle, and we have to make it go from awkward giggle to he just beat her. Like, we have to make sure the audience knows 
Oh my god, it's the same thing that you do in Little Shop with the the dentist. Like you can't, mm. they, you have to have a part where it switches. And we had such a hard time in creating this moment of what's far enough for the audience to go. Oh yeah, that just got really ugly. That got really bad. And I think we did a good job of it. Yeah, I think yeah. we 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 did a strong, firm backhand. Um, in yeah. contrast, it's what Carousel doesn't do. <laughs> I haven't actually seen Carousel. Believe it or not, I might be. It's the been worst. a very long time yeah. for me. My, uh, my, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you're not. So you're not missing anything. It's terrible. <laughs> I've only seen it because my wife was in it as the woman being beaten. <laughs> and so he wanted to go and watch, like to the point where, like, they had to put a disclaimer in the thing of, like, you know, we don't support this, and I think a portion of the proceeds went to like a, a battered woman's charity. Wow. That's great. Yeah, but it's, it, it, I always jo- like, and I, I'll yeah, I'll say it. I always joke that it the show is a love letter to spousal abuse. Like really? this guy is horrible to this woman, and at the end of the show, it's kind of like. But he actually loved me, so let's not talk about it. What? That's yeah. kind of where it lands, and it's and so you know t- you play you do that today because old people like the music in it. People still do it, mm. but um, it's it, it, it it's terrible. It, it like it's like first of all, it's a bad show. Then it's got a bad message. Yeah, so like dang. I get what you mean. Like you you've got to it has to happen and it has to it has to be uncomfortable. The audience has to feel like take that journey of we started off with what was playful and maybe an act of love, but then it got sinister and they've got to take that ride with you. But then you have, they have to know what was wrong. It has to be continue to be wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's the same. It's literally the same arc there with the dentist in little Mm -hmm. shop. Like we're supposed to get to a point where we're like, Oh my God, he's like abusing Audrey, like actually physically abusing her and hurting her. And it's not, funny i got a shiner you know like he punched you in the face it's the yeah it's what allows us to be okay with the murder of the dentist Mm. yes and the transition into feeding the plant humans right yeah yes spoiler at the end of the day nobody (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's right if you haven't seen there's like one redeemable character like audrey is like the actual person audrey is like the only redeemable character in the whole show yeah yeah maybe yeah well, of uh, people who are characters, like the the yeah. wop singers, I think, yeah. are pretty clean there. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's bring we it back went, to Spring Awakening. Yeah, we went. Yeah, way yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to go back to the dock. I mean, no, Holy that was great. Shit. That we, was all. I there mean, was a a moment where we were talking about like getting away from things and not talking about certain things. <laughs> I was so upset we did not talk to the ensemble more in this documentary. The Brian yes. Joseph, like the um. First of all, Skylar Aston. Yeah. Every time he sang, he was like, "Everyone's here for me." The way he sang in in it, it he just stepped forward and like, yeah. shine his, yeah. showed his chompers and was like, "Yeah, you're welcome." Yeah. Every time. I did want to hear more from the ensemble. It's, so did it's I. a great point. I mean, we didn't hear anything from the parents. Like, and I, I get the fact that they're not the main focus of this thing. Exactly. But I wanted to hear what they thought. About being in a cast of 15 to 18-year-olds going on this journey. I wanted to know what it was like for them there. Mm. I, maybe it's just because I'm not 15 to 18 anymore, and I want to know that. But was anybody else, like, what was it like for them on this? Yeah, I 
I, I completely agree with the parents and also like Brian Charles Johnson and Gideon Glick, the people who weren't major characters, but like Gideon Glick's on Maisel now. Yeah. Like yeah. like these these people have done things, but to watch Jonathan Groff, Liam Michelle, like become huge and them not get there. Like also like Krista Rodriguez. But like they glossed over so many of the non uh Melchior no, Vangela. Moritz, yeah. yeah. It was very much Jonathan Groff and, and Leah Michelle. It was very, it was a much, it's just as much about them as it was about the show, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind. Of, I did walk out of it with that. That was that was true. And you know, everyone in that cast, though, their their careers were catapulted by by this. Oh, show. Yeah. definitely. Like they all like Marta. Uh, she had she played. She's still on Broadway. Yeah. I think she's on Broadway right now. Yeah. Um. But but you're right. This you know, thinking on it, I, I still loved it. I still thought it was oh, amazing to see them. Yeah. I loved hearing their voices. I loved getting the insider information on this. I really did. But thinking back on it, you're right. This was like this was the Jonathan Groff, Leah Michelle show. It was just as much about them as it was about Spring Awakening. But I also think that that's what you they are the two they were the two main roles they're the biggest stars that have come from it so it almost makes sense because if you don't Mm -hmm. highlight them then the only people that are going to watch a spring awakening documentary are people that love spring awakening yep and but if you're like oh here's leah michelle here's jonathan groff you know them from glee and mindhunter and frozen like people that will draw people in Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i don't hate it but like I'm like, okay, maybe we could have heard from like the guy that played Hanchin. Yeah, I can't even remember what his name was. I'm sure, but like, did we? Not, not he, like once. Like maybe? once on yeah. camera said something when they yeah. went when they got to the pub at the end. That's when we heard yes. from everybody. Yeah, you know, they, that's when we that's when we heard from everyone. But you know, it's it's a good point. You know, I mean, it is. You know, in a perfect world, we would have had three episodes where we would have heard from everyone. I mean. It, Mm-hmm. That would have been a perfect world for us to really get the insider stuff. So it is a good point. I'm not upset by it um, in the slightest. It's just it's a good point to make. It's something to definitely acknowledge that I wish we heard a little bit more from the ensemble. Definitely. I think if it was on a a less high profile platform, you might have gotten more of the full cast represented. But sure. Sure. from a comp, you know, Warner Brothers, yeah. a parent company uh, for HBO, they're gonna be like. You know, the, the, not the people making it, but the people who are financing it are like, who the hell are these other people? Give me Leah and Rob. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know? No, you're right about that. Cut that. Exactly. Cut him. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's, it's funny. I'm thinking of it from, um, I, not to get off topic again, but I've been watching the series The Offer on Paramount about the making of The Godfather. And like, just hearing that kind of process, I can imagine that sure. happening still. Yeah. Yeah. Today, yeah. Like, yeah, like Absolutely. when they're trying to cast Pacino, like who's this little shrimp? Get him out of here! Like, get give us Robert Redford, who they wanted as uh, Michael Corleone. Oh, really? Listen. Hmm. So, overall, now did did you guys think about our production at all? Watching this, were there any emotions that came up? Were there anything you thought of? There, there were some moments. I, I thought I, I definitely did some self reflecting of like, you know just how we handle things in, in, in good ways. I, I thought to see the director there sitting on the ground with them while they were choreographing the yeah. the sex scene. Like we did the same thing. Mm-hmm. We did the exact same thing. Like it was so intimate, so small. Um 
I don't know. I thought I, it made me think back on our production and see, like, we did a lot of things right. I was proud of us. I don't know how, I don't know if you guys thought of it, but yeah, no, there were a lot of parallels. Um, but I, I tried to separate the two while watching. Sure. To like really pay attention to what they're. I, I was excited to hear more about the production and how it got to where it was. Yeah, definitely doing half selling the room yeah. to to like the show on Broadway. Yeah, it's crazy that it it was on. It was on Broadway as long as it was before, and it wasn't until the Tonys happened mm-hmm. that people were like, "Oh, maybe we should." go see the show because it's good. Uh, to answer your question, Jared, I I think I'm in the same boat as Joe in that I just kind of tried to distance. But there are times that, like, you know, when, when Purple Summer sure. was being sung, all I could think about, like, I was, like, transported back to the fire barn and yeah. just, like, you know, and, and, and listening to the cast that we put together and how beautiful it was and everything um but i mean i think we were nitpicking about things but overall it was it's probably it was i i really thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed watching the documentary i thought it was great me too i'd recommend it any day i did find uh speaking of the tonys i've always been a a big I've constantly got on top of all these award ceremonies. I hate yep. award ceremonies. I think they're the stupidest things in the world. Like here, give a bunch of rich people a trophy. Like it's so stupid to me. Yeah. But to see that the Tony Awards, which I've always loved the Tony Awards, they've always been inclusive naturally. Yes. I, I think uh, to me that that's how I've seen, it. and maybe they haven't, and maybe <laughs> they really haven't. But to me, growing up, nothing. I it was not uncommon to see. People of all different backgrounds represented on the Tony Awards. Definitely. To me, I think I think that's no, what it was, yeah. and I could be wrong. I really could, but the Tony Awards to see that they actually impact the success of a show was an interesting thought because an Oscar nom or win, I don't think it impacts the. It happens movie. after the fact. Yeah, it, exactly. It doesn't well, help. and it doesn't impact that that piece, that movie, that film. Right. It impacts. After that, every actor and director, Academy Award-winning director, right. so-and-so. And, right. But it's not like that show's still in theaters when it wins the Oscar, sure. usually. Right. It only helps, right. like, self-promotion after the... Right. Yeah, right. it's, it's yeah. only for the actors, really, and it's, it is it really is just a trophy for them. Or the team, or the, you know, it really is just about the trophy for them, to me. Sure. And also the price tag for the streaming network that will eventually carry it. Yeah. yeah. Not going to lie, though, if, if I won one, I'd think it was a big deal. Of course. Yeah. Anyone would. I'd go up there and cry. I mean, it's not for nothing. <laughs> of course. Yeah, right. I'd go up there and cry and talk about how hard I worked. But, but, but I digress. Like, this, to see the Tony Awards, that it actually impacted this show. The fact that they were had 200 people in the house for two months on Broadway before the Tony Award nominations came out, it clearly impacted the show when it turned into this smash hit after they won, what, eight, um, eight awards? I yeah, think it was. something like that. Uh, so so at least these awards, there's something tangible that comes out of them. Like your show can pick up steam. It can actually have some success out of these awards. So it seems like these awards are necessary to an extent. Right? Like that's, that's yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Out and again, I'm sure the winners would wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I, I – so for me, I at least felt a little bit better in that sense of like, all right, like I don't have to, you know, be upset to be in the artist community about these award ceremonies and stuff like that. Um, and I don't need to harp on them so much or so intensely as I have. Just to dig into that a little – so what don't you like about the awards for, like, arts? I don't like – specifically, I don't like the Oscars specifically okay i just don't see a point in it so considering the amount of open joking about the like the corruption of it and yeah yeah the the fact that these people are literally paid millions of dollars and they go up and get a trophy and they use it as a pet i just i can't get behind it i don't i'm cool with them existing I'm fine with people liking them and what it's just I it's not for me. It's not your thing. It's not my thing at all. Yeah, I, I don't see a necessity in it. And to me though, watching this showed me that there is some necessity to at least the Tony Awards and that it can really impact something. Yeah, I I agree with you in the um like where it feels like the the Academy Awards broadcast is trying to win an Emmy, like kind of thing. <laughs> It's. It, I hate that it's that they make such a huge production, such a, like, and I I understand like you know saying everything is worth whatever people are willing to pay for it. So people are gonna keep watching, they're gonna keep making it. I don't blame them for that, but I it like I I get and I, I do like the idea of that you know having getting this validation of your work for especially for the individual actors and stuff. You know, best picture is like you're giving it to a studio, like they you know exactly. that, that part of it's a little ridiculous, but. But the huge production of it, I that's why I kind of appreciate, you know, I don't know if they did it intentionally, but if, when it felt like the, uh, was it the Golden Globes that had Ricky Gervais host for like five years in a row? Oh, yes. And yes. he would just show up and flame the whole process. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, of course. Yeah. And like blatantly talk about how racist the made, panel yep. was at the International Free Press. Uh, he made fun of everything. And, and people would just keep showing up for it. Like they're being, they're being fed dog shit and told it tastes good and they just keep coming back for more yeah totally um i think jared to play up your point definitely that the tonys feel like the most genuine of all the award shows yeah i think that you know you you hear stories about the oscars and just the thing that pops in my mind is that shakespeare in love won best picture when it was basically known that the studio bought the award mm. and because it should have been saving private ryan and that's what everyone thought was going to win but then that they like bought that award so it does seem like the tonys are the but most do- genuine and the most inclusive i mean that's theater Right. Like but you do, know, are we, are, do we know that though? No, we like, don't, and like, I, we don't know the producers are. Like, no. we, the producers could be buying, so we could say that the Tonys are the most impactful of all of the award shows because yes. it can turn a show around and, yes. and stop a show from canceling. Yes, I don't know that we can say for sure that it's the most sincere award no. show. I mean, I no, we can't say for sure, but it definitely does feel that way. Sure. Yeah. Which means when that at you're least watching PR, that that we feel that way. Because <laughs> yeah, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the fact no, that yeah. it's like a general consensus, at least they're better at giving you that impression. Exactly. And, and I don't know. It feels like it's genuine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mm-hmm. think we all agree on that. Yeah. Is that bullshit? And they could be, and they could be awful. It could be terrible. It could be this awful institution yeah. that is like racist and awful. It totally could. But we have no. We're we're sitting here talking like 
It's not. So they are doing something right. <laughs> yeah. But you do feel like I, I agree that it feels like there's more of an appreciation from the people of one. And I think that comes from, you know, like as, especially you guys know, when you in work in theater, you know, I'm sure a lot of the folks who make their way to the Tony started high school, community theater, yeah. know, regional stuff. It's more of a community. It's not, you know, Hollywood's very much a collection of islands that yes. come together every yes. now and then to make yes. a little magic. Sure. This is a community of people that are constantly, and even in just in a single show, how long are you doing that show with the same people night after night after night? Exactly. And you know what? The most irrelevant man in theater <laughs> just made a great point. Because what I was gonna uh, talk least about, influential, oh. least influential, not the oh. most irrelevant. I mean, Irrele- I mean, I mean both. Either we're gonna get you multiple T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, your business card's gonna need no, two right. sides. Sean, no, you make it. You just talking about the community. I mean, that's the best part about doing a show, and that was so much on display during this documentary. Yes. was mm-hmm. how close they all were. And how together and how, like, one they were. And, I mean, we've all been in shows. We've all, I imagine we've all been on sports teams. There's just, it's the same thing with that camaraderie. That, like, you know, that's what makes shows great. You could have a, you have the most talented cast that has ever been assembled. But if people are misfiring, and it's not even like there's a tension and people don't get along with each other and they're fighting, but it's just not the perfect fit. Yeah. Then the show, it's going to be like a a 9.1 out of 10. But you could do that same show and maybe make a couple of casting changes that have people that maybe are viewed as less talented, quote-unquote, but they just jive and everyone vibes and flows together, then that show is going to be like through the roof. And you can just feel that when you're in the audience. And when you're a part of it, you can feel it too. And it was so apparent that that's how it was with that original cast. Yeah. And it, that was a beautiful thing to see. And I think that's, I mean, this uh, we talk about community theater here and we don't get paid. No. And we Wait, do I'm it. Sorry, I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> Listen, he's off. You'll get our bill. Yeah, yeah, you get a bill. <laughs> right. <laughs> Steph asked us for to my... babysit you. Yeah, for... right. Exactly. Oh, I, I forgot to send my dues in this month. No, right. Well, there you go. Um, but no, but that's why <laughs> podcast union. That's why we do it. You do it to make yeah. the relationships, to have the memories, and, to be a part of something, and like yeah, and to be a part of something. Of and there, we've all been a part of shows where I'm sure. The group wasn't as connected, and then we've been a part of shows where it was just like we finished each other's sentences. Yeah. And, like, you can tell because you get, like, right back into it when you see those people that maybe you then you didn't do a, sh- a show with again. Mm-hmm. And, like, just by judging from that documentary, they said that they continue to have a group chat together. And that's, like, those things, millions of group ch- chats exist, and they just fall off. Right. But they still had it, so it just shows you, and it's it, and it's great because the product that was on the stage definitely backed that up, that togetherness, that closeness. Yeah, and I th- I, I loved listening to, I think the director had gone on there, and you know they were in previews, um, 
and they had I don't think they had gone to Broadway yet, but there were there was the chance. I think they had all these producers in the audience or something. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But he said he made that speech that said like, "It's all on you now." Yeah, it's on you. This is your show. Yep, you do it. And you know, sometimes you say that to a team, and they're like, "All right, whatever." Yep. But they had the real Herb Brooks moment, and like it was Miracle on Ice for them. <laughs> they they took it and flew and beat the Soviets and won the semifinal game. There you go. And ended up on Broadway. Just just for context, just, Herb Brooks was just like the, the hockey, game. hockey coach in 1980 at the Lake Placid Olympics <laughs> <Yes. right? laughs> that you know, won against the Soviet. undefeated Soviet Union. In the semifinals. In the semifinals. Probably, exactly. probably a good it. footnote for your listener base. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, come on. Some people have to do it. <laughs> for, for the record, hockey is played on ice. <laughs> oh, All right, man. this concludes the mansplaining segment. Yeah. That's right. Oh, man. No, but um, yeah, I thought it was just, it was a beautiful documentary. It, it brought you back to our production. It brought you back to first listening to the the soundtrack you know and uh, i saw it on broadway with the original cast i I wish i would have seen it on broadway with the original cast i didn't it translated it was electric of course of course i was just gonna say the same oh my gosh men of distinction is what we are that's right yes i've seen this this, i've seen this show once and it was i i hate to do this i'm gonna go off on another tangent but all right just i'm sorry um, all right, so the electric slide that we just talked about. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Okay. All right, so the electric slide. Imagine this man, like a scholarly-type man. He gets home after teaching at the, the – not the community college, in, uh, like an Ivy League college. He gets okay. home, and he walks into his study, and he lights up his cigar. And he pipe. Goes, oh, pipe. Yeah, yeah. Pipe. Pipe. Definitely. I'm cultured. No, I'm just kidding. He lights up his, he lights up his pipe. Um and he, he settles in, and he's like, Martha, I'm home. I'm going to be in my study for the next couple of hours. And he's all right. And uh, he's, he, pull, he goes to his extensive record collection, and he pulls one out, and he puts it onto the record player, and he picks up the needle, and he puts it on, and he sits down with his pipe, and he sits back, and all of a sudden all you hear is like, ding, 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 who at home was listening to the electric slide? Because like, anybody sat at home and I want to listen to a song right now and listened to the electric slide. Has that ever happened in history? No. Yeah, my mom. No, no way. She did my not. mom fucking loved the electric no, slide. No, she didn't. She, she didn't. She would she dance to it. Oh yeah. No, I want someone who just listens. listens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Enjoyment. Yeah, no. It's like I mean, how some... do you know? I mean, at least I mean, if we were to play it in this room beginning to end, not one of us wouldn't have some sort of Of course. Like, yes. But involuntary like, know, spasm. But everyone listens to it specifically for the dance. The and dance, it's played yeah. And, but like does anybody just sit at home and just like Because they like the recording. That. Yeah. Uh, whoever does the Grammys, they had to, right? To make sure it wasn't going to win. No? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Maybe. They're like, we're pretty sure this isn't in the running, but we don't know unless we sit and do the work. Well, can I ask this question now, too, since we're on the electric slide topic? What category would that be? Dance? 
Yeah, is there a dance the category? Yeah, I think there is. It's going to be gospel I, just for getting everybody. I, I, like, no, right? I imagine it's under pop. It's because everybody heard pop. us at it's Jesus Christ. Pop. I don't know <laughs> they have a dance category. I don't, they have a lot, a lot of categories. I'm sticking um, with gospel. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the gospel of the electric slide. Well, that they they use a lot of those categories. Not, no, not to get this off of the lighthearted uh, tangent we're on. But um, to kind of gerrymander the categories, like oh my god, gerrymander! Like instead it. of <laughs> no, but it, you no, I get it. They think they're being progressive by having you know best black artist or something yeah. like that. Yep. But you just guaranteed a black person will not win best artist. Almost. Wait, can I ask my question? Yeah. Um, did everyone do the electric slide in elementary gym class? No. Was no. that yes. a part of the curriculum? Absolutely. No. No, we did uh, square dancing. Well, I did square dancing school. as well, but I also did the electric slide. And, you know, as an educator now, I'm thinking that it was just because it's like following directions. Because mm. it's, it's – That's like the best Because it requires too. no work. Well, and now, but also that was going to be the next <laughs> That's thing. the part That's you should like understand e- as an educator. Oh, no, no, of course. <laughs> that would be the easiest – like lesson plan to do. It's like step one, get the tape. Now it's what the cha cha slide, the cha cha slide, the cupid shuffle. Yeah, but we all know what the OG Wobble. was. Actually, that's probably not the OG. It was probably like the hustler. No, yeah, the no, hustler. Yeah. I mean, even YMCA. I mean, the Charleston. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to say we did the YMCA and stuff like that. Yeah, it was, we did the YMCA. It was just cheap exercise. It was like, yeah, yeah, we did the YMCA. That's why Sean and I look like this because <laughs> we're just <laughs> lifting our arms into time, shape. Whatever grade the they time. took away the parachute, I stopped moving. Yeah. By the time I was in like middle and elementary school, they were like, Macarena? "You need to do a mile. You need to do <laughs> fifty push-ups and fifty. Like I went to yeah. apparently I went to Soviet Russia public school." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, there was no cha-cha sliding. It was like hardcore. We did play a game called Crazy Ball, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was basically baseball with just different kinds of bats. By the time we got to middle school, high school, I, I know, and you were probably the same, they are like, climb this rope. I'm like, I'm going to band. Stop talking to me. <laughs> Can I just walk around the track for the hour, please? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Climb this rope. Look at me. <laughs> you climb it. Do I look like someone who can climb that? I can carry a tuba for 45 miles. That's right. But I can't climb a fucking rope, all right? Amen, brother. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. (sighs) So the Spring Awakening documentary. I would definitely recommend it. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten? Yeah, I think that's that's a... most That's a fair score. And I'd say two sco- two points of it are just pure nostalgia. Yeah. yeah give it a the solid seven. Factor. Sure. Yeah, I'm like a six and a half, seven. That's fine. I can't wait to watch it. I could it. have used, if they would have done front-loaded more interview and given me like a big chunk of Spring Awakening. Oh, like the concert? The like concert the... at the end. Yeah, okay. Like, let me watch the last two and a half songs and like feel Purple Summer. Sure. Yeah. I would have loved that. Yeah. It, do does HBO Max at least carry like to the show so you can watch Spring no. Awakening? No, that no. seems kind of no. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. I did. You know, I looked that up too. Like cool. Disney Plus has a Hamilton documentary, but they also have Hamilton. Yeah, right. Yeah. They prime you for Hamilton, then you watch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they. I did do some research, and they said that they are post. I mean, this was eight years ago. Was the last mention of it that there was 
talk of doing a Spring Awakening movie. Oh, mm. okay. I don't, so, I don't, those are I hit or miss. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I can't see it working. I don't know how they would see, I like when they be able to do it. They film the stage performance specifically for a cinematic experience. Definitely. Like Hamilton, like that. Shrek. Yeah, like I those. enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy that. But Joe, I also, knowing what we've talked about with music and lyrics, I'm not surprised like what you got out of this was different too right because just this pure sense of like i want to hear them sing the songs and i got that too yeah. there was moments where i was like i want to just hear the full song because they sound really good like i want to hear that i, I also really know care. they only did three rehearsals i want to hear the how the harmonies sound like yeah. are they getting there like yeah. that's just the type of person i am yeah i loved listening to them doing totally fucked and when they're jumping around doing the blah blahs they're clearly a little out of breath and they're laughing and yeah. giggling and yeah having fun. yeah i loved that yeah i wanted more of that i wanted more of that performance Totally get it. And I'm thinking if they do make like a you know a feature a motion picture of it, do they update the setting or do they keep it as is? I think you have to keep it as is. You have to keep it as is. You you because part of the point because when they pull out the mic, start singing, that's what's supposed to be like present time. Yeah, it's mm. it's the whole message is that yes, this takes place in the 1800s, but we're just showing you that. Like here's the hard reminder that this still exists, and that this means anybody, everybody can go through this. But I do get what you're saying. Is that going to translate in a movie? Are they going to? Oh, especially like, like would that translate everything on you didn't like about the documentary. The same people mm. are probably going to be involved in making a motion picture of it. Ah, uh, can't do that. Not. No, they're too old now. They have to be too old. No, no, no. I mean the, right. the decision makers the, the, about yeah, the reason the why cast. you yeah. only saw Leah Michelle and Jonathan. Maybe, Groff. Maybe, they're yeah. gonna wait just long enough to make Jonathan Groff and Leah Michelle the adults. Yeah, right. Or you're and, gonna, ooh, I mean, yeah. you're gonna get whoever's in High School Musical seventeen or whatever yeah. fuck would one they're on. I, I hope they don't make a movie out of it. Yeah, I hope uh, so I, that's too. That's where I'm at on this. One. It'll. I just uh, for hearing this one doesn't work. A small sample of like how emotionally attached people can be to the show. It's never gonna be good enough. Yeah, this one in won't that work. setting. It just yeah, won't no, work. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Hmm. Or they'll never like it. Wouldn't be financially viable enough. It would have to be like a passion project, like. I don't think it's being like a major studio thing. It's going to be like, this is going to be our hit for the summer. Yeah. I don't think they would have the confidence if they were going to do it justice. Yeah. They're, it's going to get, you know, very rarely do you have when they make it a huge, like West Side Story. Like, sure. That people rave for uh, Spielberg's version of that. Do you guys watch that, that yet? Nope. No. Well, there it is. That was, um, that was fun talking about Spring Awakening. I think that, um, I think everyone should go see it. If you're a fan of theater, if you're a fan of the show, definitely give it a watch. Hour and a half. Easy, breezy, beautiful, beautiful cover girl. girl. I was like, somebody has to finish it. <laughs> I'm dying. I think I think we'd be we should tell people if they disagree with anything we said, they should tell us. Yeah. Sure. Reach out on Instagram. Yep. Uh, official thank you places is the Instagram name. You can find us there. Uh, send a message, make a post, do whatever you need to do. Uh, we let us have it. Yeah, we'll oh, interact. Yeah, oh yeah, if you message us, we will read it and yeah. then examine your life about why you feel the need to argue with a podcast. No, 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 no. no, do, no it. do it. Yeah, do no, it. No, you yeah. should do it. We engage. Need the, we need the content. Engage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, definitely go. Um, go take a take a look, a little look see at the documentary, and let us know what you think. <laughs>